0: This should have been my first episode, if posting chronologically matters at all. But I guess if you start here, and you'd be intrigued to check out my previous episodes. And if you are here after the previous episodes, it will probably explain more what the heck happened. So here we go. I want to talk about why... It's such a big deal for me to talk about abortions and sex and all things taboo in my life. I think part of it, obviously, is the societal expectations of your professional image. Like you have to show up as this clean, perfect angel who never shits in her life. And that's kind of the people other people want to work with or have a relationship with right? So if people know that you fart as a lady, you just lost all of your values. But another thing that is, it's no longer a giant thing in my life, but it used to be how I was raised and how I lived my life. And obviously some of those beliefs and concepts are still somewhere in there in my psyche. So it does affect my day-to-day life. little bit more than I would like it to and a lot of it I'm not even conscious about and that is that I was raised Buddhist. I wouldn't say very Buddhist because I don't think we were that Buddhist and it was also from one parent and not two. My dad is very atheist. He's a Catholic now but I wouldn't say he is. He's just a converted Catholic because his new wife is. And I actually love my stepmom. I think she's a wonderful person. I don't like my dad, but, you know, they're happy. I'm happy. I don't talk to my dad anymore, so I don't really care. But my dad was a very disrespectful human being. (laughs) I was going to say disrespectful atheist, but as a whole person, he's pretty disrespectful. He doesn't respect anyone. He thinks he's a shit. And so he made a lot of awful remarks about my mom's religion, which was and still is Buddhism. And I did say in my trailer that my mom is currently a Buddhist monk and will probably for the rest of her life because it is a lifelong commitment, especially for women men have seven chances of getting in and out of the monastery but women have one cuz we're inferior according to buddhism i don't know how much you know about buddhism here in america but in asia especially where i came from i guess i can only speak from my own experience even though i, I would say yeah a lot of asians would relate i experience being a buddhist From what I've experienced, people talking about this religion here, it seems like it's the superior one. I I would say, yeah, I would say most of the people I used to surround myself with were atheists. And they always said that if they had to pick a religion, it would be Buddhism, because it sounds nice. But I guess they don't know enough about it to convert or whatever. Here's like the arching idea of buddhism and i did not do any homework before this to confirm you know the wikipedia version of what buddhism is i'm just telling you from what i learned growing up so within buddhism there's the wheel of life and there would be about seven ish different i don't really remember the number i'm just making it up as i go but there are different realms of the world There's realms for humans, one for animals, one is hell, another is heaven, one other is the Buddha's land, and something else. I I think there's one for ghosts. And so all of these planes, different planes of existence exist all at the same time, and we, as spirits or souls, we kind of just recycle and we go around, uh, depending on our Karma points. So, as you can imagine, if you have lots of bad karma points, you're in hell. You we probably end up there for a while to pay it back until you have enough to become a plant or an animal, and that's your plane. Um, that's your next life, I guess. And then, if you gathered more good karma points, I think the the middle ground is being. Which means that you have about the same amount of good karma points as bad karma points, and then if you're not going to Buddha's land, like there's a goal, you know there's a ladder of life, that you have to climb if you don't intend to go there, then I would say a little like adjacent to Buddha's land is heaven, but obviously Buddha is where you want to be, so they make heaven a little like inferior and so that's where you go if you have so much good karma points that being humans wouldn't provide you with the opportunity to live as lavishly or or have like you know those magic that would make your life heaven (laughs) essentially so uh, we call them fairies if you live in heaven you're a fairy Uh, and i know the image of a fairy in america is very different i would say maybe not fairy That's a direct translation, but I would say it's more of like an angel type of deal, of image. There's a story about, I'll tell you a story because it's relevant. There was once told a lady who was very into charity, so she obviously had so much good karma points. In this specific lifetime, she was born into a very wealthy family. I believe in India because this was a Buddha story. And she kept doing the same thing. Like she was always so very generous and she would always help out people around her that wasn't as privileged. And especially she was very supportive of the monkhood, (laughs) like the monks, because they monks back then, like Buddha's time, they begged for foods because they weren't allowed to own anything to be completely detached from life so that's how they got food and this lady was one of those people that were always there helping monks you know get to the buddha's land and when she died this last human lifetime she got to heaven cuz she was never a monk in order to be buddha or to go to buddha's land you have to join the monastery and be a monk and be a monk for hundreds of lifetimes or something like that but she was just a person right so she went to heaven and she had the best life because whatever she wanted she just with a thing of her hand would have or this is called a clap of her hand or a flick of her hand or a thought or whatever she got everything she wanted and so one day she climbed a tree in heaven Just to hang out and take a nap. She got dropped back to the human plane of existence. Because she had just used up her good karma points. So she no longer had enough to stay up there in heaven. So she just dropped down to earth. And she was born again into a very wealthy family. And she did the same thing over all over again because she was a good person. And when she died... She had already earned some more good karma points. So when she woke up in heaven, it was, you know, like an afternoon in heaven that she was taking a nap for up in that tree. So she woke up, she was on the tree, she climbed down, went to her friends, and they were like, Oh, where'd you been all day? And she was like, Oh, I actually <laughs> went back to be a human and it's just a nap. Here I am again. So that that's the story. And uh, the land of ghosts, the realm of ghosts, is obviously when you die and you don't immediately recycle or go to any other uh, realms. You kind of just hang out there like ghosts. I don't quite remember or know much about this realm because most people, usually because there's the belief is in incarnation, when people die, they go somewhere. So this is more like of a temporary place for people to go while the system is figuring its shit out for, you know, where you go. Do you go to heaven, hell, or an animal, or what if human again, like where, how, and what kind of circumstances. And that's, I guess that needs some calculation of how many uh, karma points you have, both good and bad. So that's like a temporary place. However, there are some people who end up being ghosts for a very, very long time. And the problem of being ghosts is that you get hungry and you can't eat because you're you don't have a physical body. So whatever you eat, just I think this is like uh, Jasper the ghost. Is his name Jasper? I don't know. Like, yeah, you eat something. it just comes out the other hand because you're a cloud. And so there's also a tradition in Asia. I think about like in July, it's called like the Ghost Month or whatever. We put food out for these ghosts so that they get fed and they don't get angry with us and bring us bad luck. So there's that. And then the Buddha's land. There, I think once you are a Buddha, you have your own kind of realm where you're king. Literally, and you created this place because you're Buddha now. You can do whatever. And whoever follows you, they can get reborn. And here, obviously, there's no coitus. So you get born out of lotuses. And you just are there with Buddha. And hopefully, you will be Bodhisattva. It's, I think is like one level down from being Buddha. Yeah, just this concept of different types of Buddhas and their levels to them. So Buddha is the guy, not the laughing guy, of course, but the guy, the big guy, the in the main hall at any temples you go. That's the guy. That's it. And then there are other Buddhas, but they're not like front and center. You would see them like around the temple, maybe on your way in or in the back. I think this main Buddha got to be main because he had the most impact on the most people at his time. Other Buddhas are from other parts of the world. They're a little bit less popular, but they're up there, you know? And then there's another kind of type of Buddha called Bodhisattvas. Usually they're women, so I don't understand if they're one level down just because of their gender like there's a thing that i mean buddhism is also pretty sexist as in back in the day when it started becoming a thing when buddha was alive women were nothing right and buddha had to convince people or he just put out the rule that women are allowed to do whatever men were allowed to do with some restrictions instead of nothing at all cuz when Buddha became Buddha, everybody started following him, but only the wealthiest, like you know, most uh, royal families could study with him. And when they saw other people of the lower class or women in general, they're like, "Yeah, you're not supposed to be here. You're not welcome here. you're too low of a class for Buddha. you can't talk to him, you know." And Buddha was a nice dude, and I guess he... Probably saw everyone as equal, but he was smart enough to not shut everybody else down and gave women in the lower class all the rights. So he just included them in a little bit, and just to satisfy the powerful men, he put in some restrictions. One of those is that women have one chance of joining the monastery. Instead of seven, like men. So men, you can shave your head, do the thing, and be a monk. Then you can get back out to life, get married, do whatever, you know, life stuff. And then you can get back in, and then out, and in, and out seven times. After the seventh time, they don't accept you into, I just say, monkhood. There's a word for like the community of monks. So you have to be accepted by them because you live with them. So after the seventh time, you're denied access. And women get one chance. So if you make a decision to get back to life, you're obviously allowed, but you can't get back into the monastery. And what is it like being a monk? This I can speak to just a little bit because I actually don't know that much about how my mom's life day to day is like. I just, I'm just trying to remember what she's told me before she was a monk and now. It's been like, I'd say, three years that she's been a monk. So there's lots of rules. I think upwards to 700 little rules that monks have to follow. And there's also, you know, beginner level. And then you level up. I think there are like five ranks. So the first rank you get, I would say, out of my ass, I'd say 100 rules. And then once you level up, which you take a test for then you pass, it's like school, then you get a hundred more rules and so on and so forth. And these rules are, there's so many of them because it's just like the little things. Uh, For example, the one that I remember is you have to sit in a certain way, like in a classy way to compose. You gotta like have the composure of a monk, no matter if you, doesn't matter if you're alone or if there are other people around you, you just like sit straight up and, you know, feet down, you know, sit like those Asians squatting. It's not classy or monk-like. And you got to eat a certain way, you know, do things properly, like be a perfect human being is kind of what the rules are about. And so you do that for many, many lifetimes. I've heard like hundreds to thousands until you are awake, until you reach nirvana which is a state where you understand you're, you're one with it. And that's when you become Buddha. And it's been said that since Buddha's time, very few people got to that stage because the teachings have been kind of very saturated and, not saturated, but mistranslated and mis mistaught. Like the information is not, as pure as when it first came out of Buddha's mouth. Now people just retell stories and their interpretation of what Buddha said. So it's not quite correct. So you don't have like a exact path to become Buddha. And so now all the Buddhists and the monks are waiting for Buddha to come back to life, which is predicted to be anytime now, I think another thousand years or so. So my mom's gearing up for that. Uh, she wants to be born when Buddha's alive because then you have a better chance of one, meeting Buddha and two, becoming Buddha. Meeting Buddha gives you lots and lots and lots of good karma points. And so, okay, so the big Buddha, he, I don't know what he's doing now. I don't know why he has to come back every like hundreds of thousands of years. I don't know. I feel like he he should come back here more often because people want to, people need him. Gosh, everybody needs to Everybody wants to go to Buddhist land and he's not around to guide the people. I don't know what he's waiting for. And I've heard that he's waiting for the time when we're really corrupt as people, like we're going to go extinct if something doesn't happen that's magical. And so that's when he's going to come back and save us all, kind of deal. And then the, the female Buddhas called Bodhisattvas, if you know male Bodhisattvas, let me know because... I feel like I'm a little off on this, but these uh, ladies are also Buddhas, but their vows were not to be Buddha, and Buddha just means being nothing and everything at the same time. But these ladies vowed to come back to earth uh, or to other even planes of existence to save us, to save our souls. And they do that by giving us opportunities to earn good karma points. So a lot of the stories uh, that I heard that I was told were that these Babas came back here and they are they appear as homeless people or people really in need of help, but you kinda get a it's not like an easy help, right? So it's there's always something that would make you very uncomfortable and if you for some reason have the courage or bravery to get over your own shit to help this poor person, And that's lots and lots of good karma points. And that could probably get you to Buddha's land or to your own Buddha's land if you become Buddha. So that's the stuff that I grew up with. And I have an issue with such as people. And I know my mom would fight me so hard on this. But I know when I was such as, in quotes, I wasn't very... I would say I was always like a skeptic but I was too young and I was Asian so I wasn't to disobey whatever my mom said so I just never believed that Buddha actually existed that was my only question because any other questions that had to do with like logic my mom able to answer them all so she made up this whole She told me, yeah, she explained to me this whole system that Buddhism exists in, and it made sense. Like, life makes sense with with Buddhist concepts. So when I was young, I felt like like I was let in on a secret. You know, and I feel like other religious people would kind of feel the same way, where they feel like, ah, I know better. You know, I know that there's hell and heaven and how to get there and how not to end up in hell. And I'm better than you because I know this, and I'm a vegan, you know, I don't hurt anything, anyone. Uh, Reminds me of actually, we used to, whenever we would cook pasta, for example, you know, you would drain the hot water out after it's cooked. And what we always did was to turn on the sink, like the faucet, to let really cold water run first. And then we slowly pour out the hot water. So that the the mix of the water that goes down the drain is not boiling hot. The reason is because my mother said we are not to kill any living beings living in this rivers under there. I didn't really understand. I don't really know how houses work. I'm, I'm very princessy. I really don't know how the drain works beyond the hole. <laughs> I don't know who uh, all the pipes or whatever in there. but. uh according to my mom I mean like scientifically you know there are living beings everywhere and they're like tiny little things and my mom didn't want to kill them so that was how we would drain our pasta we made sure no one died in the process (laughs) yeah so that's a thing I didn't really like about being religious as a person just always felt like I knew something other people didn't and that made me a better person especially when it comes to veganism. I was vegan for four years. I guess that'll be an episode. Anyone who was a little bit into Buddhism, that was their goal was to be vegan. And so whenever they looked at us like little kids being vegans for years, they were just like, oh, you know, you're so good. Just lots of compliments and praises. And they said how we were would be so fit to be a monk when we grow up. And we felt good about ourselves, you know? And my mom was uh, very aware of that. She always told us, as you're not killing anyone, that doesn't make you a better person. You're just not a worse person, <laughs> but that makes you a neutral person. You don't kill anyone or anything, and you don't save them either. So you're not really a good person. You're not doing anything, is what she was like trying to remind us to be humble as Buddhists. But I notice a difference now being an atheist. Am I an atheist? I don't know what I am. Because I just have accepted the fact that nobody really knows. And we're all just picking things, whichever feels most comfortable to us, so that we can build a life around it that's structured. And that helps our brain calm the fuck down. And do the normal things to help us succeed and be happy and fit, you know in our immediate environment society and so nobody can tell me exactly like nobody can tell me for sure if there's heaven or hell buddha or god and i've just come to accept that i don't know and that humbles me the most because now i also look at other people whatever they believe in i feel like I'm not offended because I'm like, I know why you choose to believe in certain ideology and religion because I used to be that person. It felt safe. You know, if I just did what I was told, stayed in my lane, I would be okay. And when you're in a not very safe place, that's really important. So I think in a lot of situations, religions do indeed help people. And that's a fucking awesome thing. And I don't want to ruin that for you. If it works for you, go ahead. I I just want you to be happy. Doesn't matter if you choose to go this way or that way. But I feel relatable to other people in that I don't know shit. I'm just as dumb as you are, (laughs) as clueless as you are, and I'm just winging it. And at the end of the day, when we die, we won't know what we did here. And just right now with my brain, I feel like it's only logical for me to think that whatever happens after death is not as simple as heaven and hell. Because I've come to realize that life is not simple as good or bad. It's very complicated. It's like, it depends on the individual situation. Yeah, I wish life was simple, where you could know exactly what is wrong, what is right, what to do. Next, and what not to do, but it's not like that. And it's okay that life is a little complicated and that you're going to fuck up all the time because everybody else around us is doing the same thing, whether or not they appear to be fucking up (laughs) or to having it together. So, yeah, I feel pretty confident in where I am in my, you would say, spiritual religious stand belief ish. I feel free, first of all, to come up with my own system, my own disciplines and principles on uh, to guide my actions, rather than a set of beliefs someone else told me. You know, now I don't look at heaven and hell at the consequences of my actions because I don't really know for sure. First of all, but since I don't have a direction, I've come up with other things. To guide me. For example, I think more about other people. I don't think about how if I do something wrong. If I think what I'm going to decide is wrong, it's because it affects other people in a negative way. It hurts other people. It affects them in some way that is totally not positive. They're not happy. Or, you know, they're being deceived, even if they're happy now. Maybe in the future they won't. And so, I think about consequences in this time. I don't think about next lifetimes. I don't care. Whatever comes in my next life, whether it's nothing, that'd be great. Whether it's reincarnation, heaven or hell, I'll deal with it then. I trust myself to figure it out when the time comes. But for now, I have what's in the present. The present needs my attention. And so I pour everything into what I have now. And to focus on that instead of a far, far future that I'm really not sure about. So yeah, so far, I think it's been really helping me in terms of connecting with other people. Because I care about their well-being. Not about me ending up in hell or heaven or an animal body. Um, So I'm happy with my life now. My future self when I die. If you're angry at me because I only focused on being happy at the moment and not the future. So now, you know, your life is fucked up because of me. I'm sorry, but you figure it out. I'm sure there's a way. And yeah, knowing what I know now about how other people live their life, if we're going to hell, we're all going to hell together. And at that point, hell is going to have to figure out a new system to process us because. You know, there's limited space, I think. I'm thinking of it like prison. Like you don't have enough prison cells to store all the bad people. So now you have to like make decisions to release certain kind of crimes. So I'm I'm thinking of hell like that. If we're all going to hell, something is going to need to, you know, someone has to lower their bar (laughs) for people to go to hell. Anywho, let's circle back to why I did this episode in the first place. I wanted to explain why I had kept my abortions a secret. Not for obviously the reasons that I told you in the last episode, but also my mom. I really hope she doesn't find out until the day she dies. Actually, I would rather her pass away without knowing about this whatsoever. Because I really, I kind of don't want to have that conversation with her. Because I don't want to interfere with her beliefs and I don't want her mine you know but he goes so one of the five like main principles of buddhism is no kill so you're not supposed to murder anyone not even a mosquitoes my mom feeds mosquitoes and she taught us to do so too she was like oh it just wants one drop of blood you have so much blood just let it drink and it'll be full and it'll go to sleep and it'll fly away. So we never actually killed mosquitoes when my mom was around, and I think I didn't even do that for a long time. I don't even think I do that now. I just, yeah, my default now is just to run away or stay away, or I grab them and, like, put them outside. I don't kill them. Any bugs. And so she's been very vocal about abortions. I don't remember how early she started this conversation, but what I remember her saying is that if, ever, if I ever get pregnant, I would not to get it aborted. And I have to bring my kid to her. If I can't take care of it, she will take care of it for me. And she's grilled that into me for a few years now. I think last time she told me that it was not too long ago, maybe like a year or two ago. And it was never a conversation. It was just her talking at me. Because I didn't want to have that conversation. Because deeply, in deeply, because I knew I would not want to have kids ever. And if that changes, you know, we'll deal with it then. But anytime in the near future, I don't want any kids, and I don't intend to go celibate. So in my mind, I had already. I felt like I cheated on her. (laughs) Where I disagreed with her, but I never told her that I wasn't on her side. So. Uh, yeah, I usually just like nodded, pretended that I understood and would do exactly what she said. <laughs> I never did that. So when I get an abortion, I didn't really think about my mom, to be honest. She's not here. She's miles and miles and miles and miles. She's uh, two, three oceans away. We really don't care. My life is here and she's not dependent on me. I'm not dependent on her. If I have a baby, I feel like, why, why do I even entertain this? Okay, I'll entertain it anyway. If I end up having a baby, which I won't, because it's not as easy as getting pregnant and then having a kid and then giving birth because you have to go through the whole nine months of awful shit to have this baby. And then you have to, you know, pour all of your money and efforts and sleep into this new person to grow it, to bear it for life. So already, like, we're nine months ahead now, but if I end up having a kid for some reason... First of all, I can't continue to support my mom anymore. Uh, I currently am because I love her and I want her to have the best. And then I would struggle so much. I would be in so much stress trying to make money to feed this baby and I wouldn't be able to sleep. And I'm very prone to depression. So I don't know how I would deal with that. It'll really damage my mental health, which results in me not being a very good mother to my kid, probably. And It's just gonna be hell. I don't know. I can't think past that. So, I don't know, Mom. I don't know what your logic is. I know you said, oh, just bring it to me and I'll take care of it. If I get pregnant, Mom, and you can carry this baby to term for nine months and take care of it yourself, I would. I would 100%. But if I have to sacrifice at least a year of my life, no, thank you. Because I don't know how long I'm gonna live and I'm not ready to spend that one year. On a potential of another human being that I probably won't like. And that's another story for another day about why I don't like babies. But that's why I don't tell my mom, because she thinks that I'm a murderer now. (laughs) And I know why she arrived at that decision. She has her own story of having aborted one child uh, when she was not ready to have that child. I don't really know the circumstance, but she did decide to. Have an abortion between me and my sister. it had always been haunting her, where she thinks that my sister is actually the baby that she aborted because my sister grew up an angry, rebellious teenager, like any teenager. But since I was a good kid, she thought that my sister was all was only being naughty, was only being rebellious because she was angry at my mom for aborting her in the first place. So now she came back and she was angry at her. So that was her logic, and I know my sister's probably listening to this, so hey sis, I don't think you're that baby, Um, I don't think you hated her just because you hated her, it's just nature's having hormones raging up, and you know, you love her now, and it's not because she made it up to you and resolved anything, I don't think, you're just a good person, and you grew out of it, and you grew out of the teenage years, like, like all of us, I was a little weird because I was so scared I didn't rebel in that same way. I did rebel though, but in different ways. But anywho, point is, I don't believe in it. I I, I understand why my mom has this idea and she believes in it. And I totally understand if I had the same exact experience as her, I'd probably be a monk and do the same thing she's doing now because we're very similar people. I just grew up differently. I had a different experience in life and... Things didn't really connect for me as they did for her. So I don't want my mom to think of me as a murderer or a rebellious kid, even though I'm an adult now with a fully developed brain that can make logical decisions. And if she ends up thinking that I'm this horrible person, it's fine. I'm at peace with myself and I'm okay because I'm not dependent on her. So yeah, so now the whole world knows. Thanks again for tuning in today. I love talking to you. And I can't wait to see you in my DMs and inbox at momdisapproved on Instagram and momdisapproved at gmail.com. See you next time. Bye.